Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Good morning, everybody. Um, if you'd like to turn back to Joshua 3, the chapter we're going to be looking at this morning. It's great to be with you again. It's a privilege to speak to you. The title of my message this morning is Breaking Camp. Just um, while you're finding your place. This chapter, the Lord dropped into my spirit as I was um, preparing, thinking what, to, what I was going to speak about. And I believe we can draw many parallels from this chapter, from this chapter into what is happening at the moment with King's Church. Um, King's Church has, has uh, always known sufficiency. It's always been a, a wonderful place where, the, where there's been the moving of the Holy Spirit, where there's just, just been incredible liberty of the Holy Spirit and the Word has been taught so, so wonderfully well by Peter. And we've always had sufficient. But Peter and I have always believed that there is more, that there's more, that there should be a surplus and we are so encouraged, um, even though it's not going to be under our leadership, that King's Church is going to go, as the Israelites went, out of the desert where there was enough. God always provided enough for the Israelites. They always had food. He sent manna to them. He, their clothes never wore out. They were always healthy. There was always enough. But there was always that promise that, that God had given Abraham, that, that, that there was, they were going to go to the land of milk and honey, the promised land. And we believe with all of our hearts that you guys are going to go from, uh, uh, from the place that you're in now, where there's always been enough, to a land that, where there's surplus, where there's, where there's more than enough of the power of God, where there's more than enough. <laughs> where there's more than enough of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and it's so exciting for us. But as we see in this chapter, it takes a push to get there. You're going to have to break camp. It's an exciting chapter, but it's also very scary. It's leaving behind what's familiar, those things. It's taking a chance. It's taking a risk. It's moving out, and it's crossing over in, a, in an outstanding miracle. We always think of the, the, the uh, crossing over the Red Sea as the, as the famous one. But this is just as, just as incredible where the Jordan piles up in a heap and two million Israelites cross over on dry ground. It's just a stunning miracle. And we believe that um, just as in this chapter and just as King's Church now has a new leader, we just want to encourage you to get behind your new leader. And um, <clears throat> the, it, under our leadership, there was always enough. There was, there was sufficient. It was good but there's going to be so much more as you follow the voice of your new leader. And so I want to look at verses 3 and 4 and think about how the voice of God came through Joshua and his team. Um, Moses had been the leader. He, he was, he was, they were familiar with Moses. He had laid down great laws. He'd laid down the word. He'd moved in great power. But it was time for the Israelites to come under a new leadership, just as it's time for King's Church 
to come under new leadership. So the word says, giving orders, verse 3, giving orders to the people. The voice of God came. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. And we just want to encourage you all. We know that many of you have come, up, have come to Phil and Emma and said, we're behind you, we're with you. But we want you all to put legs onto those words. We want to, we, it's wonderful to hear that you said those things, but now we want to encourage you to, to do something with those words. And this last, this last season, this last 18 months has been a real um, journey for, for Peter and I. Um, it's been a journey for Phil and Emma too. And it's been a, t- a time, I think, I think more for, in, in, with Peter and I, more for me, it's been a, a difficult time for me to see actually where I'm going. Peter, Peter it's been hard for him to leave this church and to move on, but he's known where he's going, and, but I haven't. And some, a concept that really has helped me to, to, to trust God with all of this is to think that uh, God is outside of time. God is outside of, of the limitations of, of my understanding of what I can see. And he, something, something that I, I once read really helped me so much, saying that, that God is looking back onto my future. He's outside of all of time. He's, he's cosmic, isn't he? Uh, and, and he looks back on my future. And that's really helped me to get my head around that God's in control and I'm going in the direction that he's planned for me. But this is also true for Phil and Emma. And the fact that they are now the leaders of King's Church is not a a surprise to God. It's always been the plan. Peter, like Moses, took King's Church this far and no further because that was, was always God's plan. And now Phil is going to lead King's Church into the future, into the promised land, into the surplus that God has for this church. And so when we, uh, when we knew that we were going to be moving on, it wasn't, we weren't looking around, oh, who can possibly take over? It was clear to us that it should be Phil and Emma to take over because that was God's plan and God made that, made that clear to us. And so we just want to encourage you so much to believe in them. We know that you do, but we just want to endorse them so much and, and, and lift them up before you and, and encourage you to, to get behind them as much as you can. They've, God has been beckoning them. They've served here for, for the last 10, uh, 11, 12 years. And all through that time, God has been beckoning them into this future. Come on, a little bit further, dropping words into their spirit. They didn't know exactly how it was going to come. They didn't know exactly what it was going to be. But they knew that they were going to serve God in a, in a wonderful way. I remember at a time uh, in, this, in this year, I can't remember exactly when it was, but we were having one of our, our regular worship practices, and Phil was leading. And, um, and just all of a sudden... This incredible presence of God came. And I believe that that was the moment that for me to recognize that Phil was coming into his anointing um, as the leader. Until now, we've kind of operated under Peter's corporate anointing 
as somebody comes to minister, you come and minister under the, the corporate anointing. But I recognized in that moment that, that Phil was coming into his anointing as the leader of the church. And we've seen in the last few months him just go from strength to strength. And it's just so exciting to see the gifts that God has placed on his life. And, and so just get behind them as much as you can. I just want to encourage you um, just to do whatever you can. Just a, f- a few things that I thought of is that you know, if you were trying to organize a rotor, one, one rotor a week, you might be a little bit stressed about it, especially if someone didn't show up. But Emma's running about five or six rotors every week. And so just encourage you again, if you can't make a date, please swap within the rotor. Um, and, and also, just I don't know if the stewarding team has, has expanded since, since we uh, left, but the stewards work in this, in this church so hard. They're on every other week. And the, the space in this church doubled. <laughs> and there's lots, lots of cleaning. So if, if, if there's one rotor that lacks, I guess, it, it would be the steward. So I just encourage you to come up uh, to Phil and Emma and say, uh, what can I do to help? If you really believe that King's Church is your church, then you should be serving in some manner. And uh, just, just encourage you, just to lighten the load of others. But, but thank you. We just want to thank, to, thank you, all the stewards. It's not glamorous. <laughs> it's not easy. But it's serving the Lord in a, in, a, in a wonderful way. Another way you can help Phil and Emma is to just make sure that they have enough free time, that they have time as a family, that they have time as a couple. If it's their day off, please don't contact them. Let them have their time on their own. Offer to babysit for them. And, uh, and then when they, when you come, when they come home after you've babysat for them, <laughs> just, uh, make sure that you don't think, oh, I'll have a couple of hours with them. <laughs> just make sure you leave them alone. Remember, two's company and three's the crowd. <laughs> um, I remember once when I was, I had a, this was a long time ago, but I had a, an extremely busy season, um, and I was out every night for weeks and weeks. And uh, I remember having this one night in. It was a Friday night. I remember that. <laughs> and it was, I was so looking forward to it. So I said to Peter, oh, I'm just going to have an early dinner and go to bed. Because that's what I thought was a treat for me. That was, especially then, it was a real treat for me. And then I got a, a, an email through from a member of the congregation to say uh, that they would like to treat uh, Peter and myself. They wanted to come over to the house and make us a meal, and they'd wash up and they'd clear up, and and I and I didn't really want to do it, but but I felt that they would try. We'd help them a lot in their in their relationship with one another, and that they they wanted to come and I thought that they wanted to come and thank us. Um, so so I gave up a free evening. I thought, well, it'd be nice. It'd be probably a good idea to sit down with Peter and have some time on our own together. Um, then the knock came on the door, and in trooped four people with a massive great suitcase, <laughs> and um, two people I'd never met before in my life. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a funny romantic meal for two. <laughs> and it turned out to be uh, a hard sell. Um, a hard to sell you know, pitch for um, for cooking equipment, <laughs> and they wanted us to spend thousands and thousands of pounds on this <laughs> cooking equipment. And so, sadly, 
Um, the evening all went wrong. I had to get a bit cross to say, no, I wasn't going to spend, th- I didn't have thousands to spare to, <laughs> to spend on, on, on this equipment. Um, anyway, please be good to Phil and Emma. Please support them. <laughs> and please recognize that the voice of God is going to come through Phil. Just as the voice of God and the instruction of God started to come through Joshua in this chapter, the voice of God now is going to come through. Your new leader, Mr. Philip Shaw. Okay, then if we're going to turn to uh, verse 10, Joshua says, This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. And of course, those those people groups were were the enemy. But God said he would certainly drive them out. And as we move, as you move forward, it's a bit odd for me going, we, you, <laughs> but it's, it's you now. As you move forward into your new season, into, your, into all that the God has for you, there will be an enemy to overcome. I think sometimes we think that the enemy is a bit stupid, but actually we need to reevaluate that and because in, in Genesis 3, the Lord said that uh, the serpent was the most cunning among all the wild animals. And he is cunning. Sometimes I think about the Twin Towers. And I don't want to give the devil any glory, but that was just a stunning stunt, wasn't it? It brought devastation. But the, the intelligence, the, the, it, was, it was cunning and it was very clever. So we need to recognize who our enemy is. If you're not going to do much for Jesus in this life, you don't really need to worry about, about the enemy, the devil. But if you're going to do something, if you're going to really do something for Jesus in this life, then you will get his attention. And you need to recognize who he is and recognize what, what, what he does, what are his schemes. I want us to think about Luke Uh, chapter 4, when Jesus was in the desert. And Jesus had been led by the Spirit into the desert. It was God's plan all along that that Jesus would go into the desert. It wasn't the the devil's plan. But the the devil took advantage of that time. And Jesus had been in the desert, and he just fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And in Matthew it says that, that he was hungry. And I don't know if you remember, the first thing that the enemy comes and says to Jesus is that if you are the son of God, then you can turn this stone into bread. And wasn't that clever? Wasn't that just the point of Jesus' need, talking about bread? I know when I fast, I dream about fresh bread and cheese. Fortunately, Jesus, was he knew the response to give. He, he, he knew the word of God and he gave the right response again and again and again. But the, the enemy is cunning. And what, but what God is wanting for us, from us, because God allows different tests or the, he allows different tests. And what, what God wants, so he allows the devil to test us. And what God wants through those tests is that we would rely completely on God. And sadly, if we fail the test, then we're going to get another test 
until we pass that test, until we are completely dependent on him. This week, I went to, on Wednesday, I got up very early in the morning and drove from York, South Yorkshire to Maidenhead. And um, I had to do, I don't know, don't know if everybody knows, but I'm doing a course in foot health care. And uh, I have to do uh, something called a medical, I had to do a medical, clinical medical procedures course. And I've got the certificate here to prove that I did it. <laughs> but I couldn't get that certificate until I'd passed the test and I was dreading it all day long we had to do CPR on a dummy <laughs> and and we had to talk to the dummy we had to talk to the ambulance and it was just embarrassing <laughs> but she wouldn't let give me the certificate until I'd done the test and God won't give us our certificate passed until we pass the test of complete dependency on him. That's what he wants, complete surrender. I'm not in control. You are Lord of my life. Paul wrote in Ephesians 6, he gave us a good summary of how we're to deal with the devil. He said that we must take our stand against the schemes of the evil one. And he told us what armor to put on. He said that we must live in truth. We must be a people who live in in truth. He said that we must be a people of righteousness. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. And I want to just park on this thought for for a little while now. Righteousness. What is our righteousness? Our righteousness is something that Jesus purchased for us on the cross. And our righteousness... So we have that as a free gift. We wear robes of righteousness. But we must also, because we bear the name of Christ, we must also be a people that live in righteousness, that we are a righteous and a holy people. And at the beginning of this week, the Lord undid me completely as I watched uh, a clip on on Facebook uh, of Billy Graham, the great evangelist, the great American evangelist who's now into his 90s but still preaching over the internet. And I watched the whole thing through and right at the end, the voice of Billy Graham came to me and helped me to understand the gospel afresh much more deeply than I'd ever understood it before. He said that when Jesus was on the cross, he was guilty of my sin. Now, I've known before that Jesus paid for my sin. And I've watched the film, The Passion of the Christ. And if you are a Christian and you've never watched that film, you must watch it. You need to know what Jesus did for you. I've cried through the film. I've winced. I've looked away. But you must see what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you. You must look and, and try to comprehend. But the Lord took me into so much a deeper level of understanding of what Jesus did on the cross for me this week. When he was on the cross, he was guilty of the sin of all of mankind. 
And so, of course, the father had to turn away. I've never understood that before. But, of course, God the father couldn't look on his son guilty. He'd led a sinless life. He'd never done a thing wrong. And then all of the sin of mankind piled upon him. How awful. Of course, there was separation. Of course, the father had to turn away. And I'm sorry if I'm ruining your Christian living today, but I want you to think of the worst thing that you've ever done, as I have done this week, and think that you made Jesus guilty of that thing. Now, we can't do anything about the past, but we live, we still live our lives today We can live sloppy Christian lives. We don't necessarily live right before God. This week, there have been lots of times when I've I've thought to myself, am I going to make Jesus guilty of that as well? Isn't it enough what I did already? No, I will live for righteousness. I will live and be who I say I am. I will appreciate what he did for me on the cross and I will live for him. Now, I'm not saying I'm always going to get that right, but I just want to challenge you as well today. Will you do the same? How do you speak to your husband when you're at home alone, when it's just the two of you? Is that right? Is that, is it, is that okay? How do you teenagers speak to your mums? Do you want to make Jesus guilty of that? There's so many different things. Even driving a car, breaking the speed limit. Do we need to, do we want to make Jesus guilty of breaking the speed limit as well? So I just want to challenge you today to live right before the righteous one who purchased your righteousness, your righteousness. We must be a people also who understand the gospel of peace, to live in peace as far as we are, we are able to live in peace with all men. To continue with Ephesians 6, to hold up the shield of faith against the fiery arrows of the evil one. To put on the breast, the helmet of salvation. Who are we in Christ? And it would have been a message from me, and as I spoke about praying in tongues, but Paul puts this into this chapter too, that we should, must pray in the spirit on all occasions and what we're doing with, with when we're speaking in tongues we're not attacking the devil but we're building ourselves up so that we are strong spiritually this armor is for protection it's not not as a weapon against the enemy but the enemy knows as we've seen in from luke 4 where our weaknesses are he knows where there's a chink in your armor and he will come against you there, there are habits that we have that are, are not godly. And Paul says that um, we mustn't give the devil a foothold in our lives. And I always think of, of a foothold as like he gets a foot in the door. Once we're giving him a foot in the door, before we know it, he's broken the whole door down and he's made himself comfortable in our living room and we can't get out. We can't get him out. We don't know how to get, get him out. And I just want to 
say to anybody here who's, who has secrets, who has habitual sin and it's a secret, and you've got the devil living in your living room and you don't know how to get him out. There's great power in secrets, but that power can be broken as you share those secrets, as you share a secret with somebody who, who loves you, somebody who's a, a Christian, somebody who wants to help you. And I just want to, just felt the Lord encouraged me to say, if you've got secrets and, and those secrets are bind, they bound you, no, never mind the devil being bound, you're bound by him in sin. Share those secrets. Get with somebody who can help you. And together you can boot him out. But you can't do it on your own. But we must be a people that live by the power of the Spirit. Understanding the great power of the cross. And that enemy will be overcome. He will be overcome. May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to you, our Lord, our rock and our redeemer. So if we look at verse 12 now. Verse 12 speaks about frontline troops. Now then, choose 12 men from among the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And I want to ask you a simple question. It's a very quick point. Are you going to be one of the 12? Are you going to be one that says, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Phil and Emma. What can I do to help? I remember one evening we were here, Peter and I were here, very, I don't even know if we were married, but somebody came up to Peter and said, what can I do to help? And it was perhaps one of the most exciting moments of Peter's ministry because people just don't say that to you. But you make a change and go to Phil and Emma and say, what can I do to help you? How can I serve you? How can I serve Jesus in this church? What can I do? If we think of Jesus, the life of Jesus, he, there were the three who were really, really close to him. Uh, uh, Peter, James, and John, and arguably Peter and John, really. They're the ones we read about who are really close to him. And then there were the 12. It's great to be one of the disciples, close to 12. And then there were the, there were the 72 who were also sent out. So there is a, there's a widespread of, of power to go around. But we want to we say, we, I want you to be a people who say, here we are. What can we do? We, we know that we're all going to heaven we are all going to go to heaven if we believe in Jesus, if we believe that he paid for us on the cross. But there's a reward too for the things that you do in this life. There's, there's a reward for all of the things that you will do for Jesus. Will you be one who, to whom he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And my last point is uh, we're going to read from verse 14 to 16. There's always going to be a need for faith. So when the people broke out, they'd already, previously in verse 13, the Lord had said that, the, that the, the Jordan would part. But verse 14, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is in flood all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan, and their feet touched the water's edge. The water from upstream stopped, stopped flowing. So the instruction had come to the, to the priests. They knew what to do. 
and they were walking, they, and they, but they had to leave everything that was, that was familiar. They'd been camping for 40 years in the deserts. I don't think camping's very comfortable, but that had been their way of life. And they knew now that they had to leave that. They had to, to leave what was familiar to them and walk towards what looked like an impossibility. It says that the, the Jordan was in flood all during harvest. That means that the, the river was a mile wide. I know we can't really imagine what a, a mile is, but I know it's a long, long way across, isn't it? And it was 50 meters deep. And it looked like an impossibility. And the instruction was that not when the priests got there that the, the river would dry up, but when they put their foot in to the water. And at that moment, they must have felt a bit foolish, I think. The first, there must have been two at the front, I guess, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And they, are we going to do it? Are we going to <laughs> It's impossible. But, the instru- but they followed the instruction. And as the foot touched the water, the water dried up. And in your, and when you go out on the streets, there's going to be that fear, that feeling of foolishness when you approach people and want to share Jesus with them. Or when you are at work or at school and you want to say, oh, well, can I pray for you about that thing? You're going to feel, oh, I can't do it. But the Lord will help you if you just do it. If you just stick your head down and just get the words out, the Lord will be there to catch you. The Lord will be there to do that miracle for you. Two million people crossed the Jordan on dry ground. That's, that's, that's as much a miracle to me as, as, the, as anything. The ground at the bottom of the river was dry as they crossed over. And God's going to do amazing things. You know, you've already seen some incredible things. And I believe, but I just believe it's just the tip of the iceberg for you. There are wonderful things. There's, there's great power gifts that you're going to move in. You're going to continue to move in the gift of prophecy. Just get around Phil and, and get around his anointing and, 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 and believe that it's transferable. Believe that you can do that too. Because it is for everyone. There's enough for everyone. There's enough power for everybody. What the Lord wants is a willing heart and availability. And he wants, and, but we have, and we have to exercise our faith as well. There's a parable about exercising our faith. Faith doesn't just come. We need to, you know, if you want to pray for somebody to get out, out of a wheelchair and that's the first time you've ever prayed for a, uh, a sick person, you might not, it might not happen. But pray, um, just pray for people, smaller things. Peter and I, whenever we're ill um, at home, we pray for one another. Last week, uh, Peter woke up and he'd been dizzy all night, like not just a little bit dizzy, but seriously dizzy, the room spinning. And he had to go to um, supervise chapel at the college and then to do a two-hour lecture. And, I, and he said, will you come with me? Because he just didn't feel very well. But before we got up, I prayed for him. And then just as I left him, I hadn't checked in the meantime, actually. Sorry about that. <laughs> but as I left him, I said, are you all right? Because I couldn't go to his lecture and hold him up. <laughs> but um, he, he said, yes, I haven't, I haven't been dizzy at all since you prayed for me. But that's because we have a practice in our home of praying 
for each other all the time. Not not every time we're, we're healed, but but it's, it's a good practice, and I just encourage you in that. And part of the work of the Great Commission, we've all been given the Great Commission to go and preach the gospel and to make disciples of all nations. And so you are going to go out and you're going to preach the gospel. And that's exciting and that's scary. But there's also other work to do. So that when those people come in, the real work begins. Because then you've got to make disciples. You can preach the gospel in half an hour. And that's, it's done just like that. But to make a disciple means that we have to give our lives. We have to share our lives. We have to give of who we are, uh, what we've learned. We have to, to love people in an incredible way. And something that I uh, think is really good practice is that you have somebody in front of you who's further along the journey uh, than you are in their faith, who you want to follow, who you want to imitate their faith, who you want to learn from. And that's, so that's one, one thing that you need to be doing. But there's also somebody that you need to have who's, who's behind you, who's not as far along the journey as you are, who you can encourage, who you can spend time with, who you can teach, who you can ask the Lord to, to, to help how you can encourage them, who you can, just as the Holy Spirit's come alongside you, you come alongside them and lift them up and, and teach them how to, be, how to live the disciplined life of a Christian, because that's what disciple means. The root of that word is, is discipline, and to be a, a, a Christian takes discipline. But in all of this, you're going to need faith, just like the Israelite, Israelites needed faith. And so we just want to encourage you on that journey. And so just to summarize, on this new journey, we want to encourage you to, to get behind Phil and Emma, to love them, to be good to them, to, to encourage them. You know, when Phil preaches, encourage him. He won't get a big head. There's enough other stuff going on to keep his feet firmly on the ground. Encourage him. Know that there will be an enemy, but we need to... And we don't have to be scared of him. We don't have to think there's a demon here and a demon there. That's not the reason I bought this today. The reason I bought this today is to know we have to, we have to outwit him. That's what Paul says, we have to outwit him because we're not unaware of his schemes. We want to be a people that live in all of the armor of God. Don't let him find, a, don't let the enemy find a chink in your armor, a place where you're weak. And if he does, then just stand against him. If you have problems with sin, get somebody else to come alongside you to help you boot the devil out. I just want to encourage you to be one of the frontline troops, one of the people that's in all of the action, because there's going to be a reward for that in heaven. And don't underestimate that. I think people, re- I think Christians really underestimate the fact that there's going to be a reward. I don't underestimate that. I'm so excited about it. I can't wait for my reward. And I want to work with all of my heart, with all of my life for that reward. Not just, and, and also just, I just want to serve him because he, ser- he, he gave everything for me. And I just want, we just want to encourage you to step out in faith, to, 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 to head towards the impossibility, to head towards the Jordan. It looked like an impossibility. What's your impossibility? But go. I, I, in my life, when the Lord's called me to something, I thought, I can't do it, Lord, but I just get my head down and face it and just go. I just want to encourage you, consecrate yourselves.
get yourselves ready. That's what the, the priests were saying. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, for in this future, in King's Church future, the Lord will do amazing things among you. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless, and goodbye.